I'm trying to ramp up on the vitamin C. Oh, right, okay. I'm ill. So, you're ill? Why are you ill? Yeah, do you do man flu, Mr. Dawes? No, I don't like, I don't like being ill. I don't, don't get into any of that. I don't relish it. No. <laughs> I heroically suffer it. <laughs> no, I don't, you know, no, it's not, it's not for me. I try not to be ill, really. I mean, I know people would say that, listen, you just got a blocked up nose. Stop whinging. Yeah, you know, you know what I hate even more though? People whinging on Twitter that they've got a cold, like millions of other people. Mm. It's like, it's not interesting. Shut up. <laughs> well, I won't go on about mine. No, no, you can go. <laughs> you can talk about yours if you want, if it involves, you know, get, that's why you, we were talking about apples, I guess. So, you know, I'm just suffering heroically. I mean, you know, you don't sound like you've got a cold. Well, I've just taken the whole whatever that squirty stuff up the nose is, just to try and clear my bronchial tubes. Right. You know, so we've got to sound good. Yeah. It's not like they can look at me and see my great big red nose. <laughs> so, yeah, so now I've just got a spot of man flu. I mean, you know, all the men in the audience, they're going to be going, I know exactly what he's talking about. Because they he heroically suffer it too. Yeah, I guess. Women are just be going, get over it. Yeah, exactly. Whilst doing lots of other things as, as well. Yeah, you don't know what uh, pain and suffering is. No. Me, on the other hand, I'm just, you know, I'm making it out. <laughs> Getting the sympathy. Do you know what? I get no sympathy whatsoever. It's like, just get on with it. Mm. I think there's a sympathy shortage when it comes to my man flu. <laughs> Probably in your house, yeah. Anyway, I haven't spoken to you for ages. I went away. Was it prison? Witness protection. Can't really talk about it. No, I went on holiday. Uh, and then there was a few other things where... Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I, we couldn't do the scheduled slot or something. So, but yeah, I'm back. Yeah, the last time was the Rumpus on the Planet of the Apes special. It was indeed. That was a that was a fun one. Yeah, no, we need to do more films. I haven't seen any good films at all recently. I did sit and watch. Oh God, please, why did I do this? I think it's because I just wanted an afternoon on the couch underneath the blanket, watching something trashy. But I want my two hours that I spent watching Transformers: Age of Extinction back. Yeah. <laughs> well, you get what you deserve, Andy. Come on. Oh, and I quite like a bit of Mark Wahlberg sometimes. I mean, you know, mm. he was all right in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and he was good recently in um, Lone Survivor. Ooh, Lone Survivor was ace. Yeah, good film. Um, I actually got um, my tweet about it favorited by the wife of the guy that died, one of the guys that died. She's obviously following people on Twitter who mention it. So, yeah, it was kind of weird that suddenly you had this very dubious connection with someone who was actually, you know, part of that story or, you know, connected with it. So that, so that was strange. Um, but yeah, no, that's good. But my, basically I avoid all Michael Bay films. Um, hateful. Before I forget, um, I had a strange Twitter experience a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I happened to be, I mean, why did I even do this? But I wanted to get on and do some work. I was in Oslo and I didn't want to go out and socialize. I thought, right, I'm just going to go and eat McDonald's and go back to the hotel room and write mm. like a really unsociable bastard. So I did that and they were playing Ellie Goulding in McDonald's. Right. So I tweeted, there's no escape from Ellie Goulding. Mm. Just a casual little remark. And yeah. about five minutes later, Ellie Goulding replied. That wasn't awkward. Oh dear. Yeah, you don't, you don't think when you, I guess when the, you know, celebrities, you don't really think that, um, you know, a, a casual remark, I'm not on about trolling anyone, um, you know, they're going to reply to. So, uh, <laughs> what did she say? Uh, but she just did it like a, one of the emoticons with, oh, the, right. with, with the sticky outy tone, which I, I took to, I, I thought it was very funny. So hopefully I managed to get out of that one. Cause you're Fair a enough. big fan and everything. If you're listening, Ellie, cause I know she listens to the show. I'm not. Just put that out there. I'm not. Anyway, Michael Bay films moving swiftly on. Do you know what? I just just rewind a sec. You know, when you get to a hotel, do you not do? I think I don't think many people do this. The my first meal in a hotel is usually cheeseburger and chips, room service on the bed. Do you not do that? No, I do that when we go to America. I do that a lot. But in Oslo, obviously things are very expensive. So mm. um, I just I just wanted to eat and fill up and be. Done with it, yeah, and get on with me. Get on with me work. Fair enough. But it transformers two hours of CGI metal things bashing the hell out of each other. Yeah, ah, oh, just tedious. Not for me. I haven't seen anything else good recently. I saw uh, Godzilla, the new yeah. one. Oh, what was that like? Not as bad. Mm -hmm. Better than Pacific Rim. 
Yeah, see, I'm not, I, I'm not really into films like that. I think for ten minutes they're okay, but both of them made Transformers look like Citizen Kane. <laughs> to be honest, it's possibly yeah. the worst couple of hours I've ever spent. Mm. No, that was Noah. I've seen Noah. Yeah, no. So anyway, we mustn't talk about films because people will get cross. Yeah, yeah. And they'll send us letters. And we yeah. need to do, we need to do at some point, we need to do our special film podcast. We do. With Mr. Keith. But he's, he's, he's flying all over the place. God, Lord knows where he is. He's never home. Well, I think he's in Brooklyn right now, but I didn't know that anything was going on in Brooklyn this week because I have my conference hashtag muting technique off to a really fine art now. Yeah, so you just actually don't know anything's going on anymore. No, it's brilliant. I mean, most of my friends are like completely quiet, which is ace. If there's a sniff of a conference hashtag these days, I just mute it. <laughs> Otherwise, people out there will know this. It just turns into kind of soundbike city. Yeah, it kind of um the usual, you know, tweeting things that you've heard a million times before, like it's something something new has been said. They're the annoying ones. Yep. So mm. yep. So it's all been very quiet in my yeah. Twitter world, apart from Ellie Goulding. Mm-hmm. Hi, Ellie. Let me do a sponsor just to before we get into conversation. Okay. Let me tell you about our first sponsor. You'll like this one. It's Gather Content. And they help people who build websites to work with their clients to plan, organize, and collaborate on web content. It's a great, it's a web service. And I bet that everyone who's ever made a website for a client or for their company, they're going to know what I mean when I say that planning, gathering, organizing, and collaborating on content, it's one of the trickiest parts of any project. This week, we're going through exactly this. People email you content in Word or Excel or, oh God, sometimes even in PowerPoint documents. And you can't blame people for that because those are the applications that regular people use day to day. But then we've got to sift through what's often multiple documents and cut and paste what's useful out of them. And you've got to keep track of everything. People send you the same file twice just in case. And you've got to store them. I mean, your Dropbox is just then overflowing with client content. Then there's finding some way to collaborate over the changes because I often edit clients' copy for them because it's mostly terrible. Um, and also because I'm really picky about the content that goes into the things that I design. So I have to tell them what I've changed and all of this can take longer than designing the bloody website. But that's where Gather Content comes in because it's a web application that helps you keep all your content in one place. You can collaborate with clients on changes and you can get approval when you need it with their reminders and due dates. And Gather Content breaks content down to help you guide your clients and your copywriters through what needs to be written. And then when you're done, export that approved content directly out using one of their plugins or the API. So they set up a special page just for listeners of the show. It's unfinished.bz slash gather content. And even better, if you sign up through that page and you use the discount code unfinished, you'll get, wait for this, a 20% discount off your subscription to gather content forever. Not just for a month, for all time. Wow, that's a good deal. It's a great deal. And you know what else I like about gather content? They don't just make software, they create content too. And one of the things that they've just done is they've launched a new 56-page guide, which is called Content Strategy for Agencies. And it walks you through exactly what you need to do to put content at the very heart of all the projects that you work on. And what they've said is, they're promising that it will transform the way that you sell, plan, and deliver web projects. That's a big claim. Mm. But read it and judge for yourself. I'm going to be reading it over the weekend. And you can download your copy from unfinished.bz slash content guide. And best of all, it's free. So thanks, Gather Content, for that. Wonderful. Woohoo. So I thought what we'd just start off with doing, if you don't mind, can I just do some updates on this Geek Mental Health Week project? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I don't know whether you've kept up with anything that we've been doing. Yeah, I had a read of the... Uh... Uh, the blog post and uh, got the the general gist and is it October the 27th? 27th it starts, yeah. And I've been really pleased actually at the uh, the reaction. Good. Um, I think it's going to be uh, a useful thing. You know, a small thing, but a useful thing nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So as we're recording this today, as it happens, Friday the 10th, it's actually World Mental Health Day. Yes, I saw um, something on TV this morning actually. They did a, did a few pieces about it. So I know this episode's going to go out on Monday, so we're not exactly a topical news show. No, like, 
No. And people say that it's not as good as something on the BBC. We're talking about, it's about um, the content, Andy, not just the, 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 how, the quality of the recording. <laughs> so. so I thought that we'd just start off with a few updates today, if you don't mind. Um, I just want to talk about the website for a minute, because there isn't one, uh, but there will be one. And I asked for some help in designing and developing the site for the project, because, you know, actually, to be frank, I don't really have the time and the energy at the moment to uh, to do that. Mm-hmm. So I just asked people on the podcast and in the blog post if there was anybody that could uh, spend a little bit of time helping out. And I've literally been overwhelmed with responses. It's been quite amazing. Excellent. I'm going to write back to everybody who offered to help. Uh, I don't know. It'll be this weekend or Monday. But what I'm doing, I'm really pleased. I'm going to be working with a guy called Hayden Pickering. That's a really good name. Mm. He's uh, Hayden Works on Twitter. And he's already worked on some projects like uh, this thing called Doc Ready, which uh, helps young people with mental health doctor's appointments. Uh, that's a cool-looking thing. And he's done this thing called Mind of My Own, which helps care leavers express their needs for you know guardians and key workers and things like that. So uh, he's, he's already got some experience in this area, which I think is, is useful. It turns out that he's also the accessibility editor at Smashing Magazine as well. Uh-huh. So um, he's, we're in good hands. So hopefully we should have something to show next week. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do, I think this is the best idea, because I won't be buggering about with a CMS or anything like that, is we're going to host the site up on GitHub pages, and then anybody that wants to add a link or a resource can uh, submit a pull request. Right. And that will just update the site. You know, So if there's a new article or blog post or conversation on a podcast or something like that, then people can just you know add it as a resource. Nice idea. And then finally, this is this is the last bit about this, really. I'm not a Git. <laughs> People might disagree. I have no clue about things like GitHub. It's completely beyond me. Yeah, I was going to say, because I thought um, I'd seen some tweets, you know, in the past about you saying that you don't understand Git and you don't use it and etc. So a little bit of a surprise that you're going to use GitHub pages to do this thing. Yeah, I'm not a clue. Not a clue. It's me and the command line. We're not exactly best friends. Well, you don't. You don't even have to do the command line. I mean, I, I, you know. But anyway, GUI tools or something. Yeah. But anyway, it's, the, the easiest thing is to get somebody else to do it. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's the best thing. So I still need a bit of help with that. I think during that week, because I'm sure that people will be wanting to make updates to the website. So if there is somebody out there that's uh, a couple of people out there that are willing to, you know, spend a couple of hours that week just helping to push and pull or whatever people do on Git, um, mm-hmm. that would be lovely. Thank you if you can just get in touch. I'm sure there will be people out there. What else is new? Oh, Milton Keynes Geek Night. Mm. One of the reasons for doing this whole week was because Richard and David were also planning some form of event along the same lines as what I was originally planning. What they're doing is they're hosting M-Key Geek Mental Help Night. That's a bit of a tongue twister, that. Yeah, it is. And it's going to be on Tuesday the 28th. So we'll start off on the Monday, 27th, and then this one's on the Tuesday evening. And they've got tickets available. They're available now by the time this thing goes out. Uh, It's mentalhelp.mkgeeknight.co.uk. I'll put some links in the notes. And... It turns out they've got some really, really wonderful people who are going to contribute their time to speak and share experiences. They've got um, Adam Onishi. He's going to be talking about there's no such thing as a work-life balance. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good subject. Is, I want to go. I really want to go and see this. I'm not going to be able to go because I'm going to be on my way to Cardiff, but uh, I'm hoping that they'll record these talks because I think it'd be really valuable. Sandra Dartnell on Digital Spaghetti. Gavin Elliott from up north. Mm-hmm. He's going to be talking about invisible challenges. Dr. Cole Henley, who's going to be talking about coping with depression, experiences, and strategies. And then another doctor, Claire Simons, she's going to be speaking too. So they've got five really good people in one evening doing little short talks. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah, well, Richard and David are such lovely people, and um, they put on such a great events. I know they're so well attended, so I can't see it being anything but uh, really good. Have you spoken at Milton Keynes Geek Night yet? Yeah, I did the, I think it was the first one, or first or second. There's actually, that, that main image on the site is actually me in silhouette. I can't remember who took it. Uh, yeah, no, I did that, and then I did the, uh, yeah, the all day, I think. Um, yeah, the, 
They're really well attended. Um, Milton Keynes is, yeah, strange place. Kind of a, it's like the future, um, how it was meant to be, maybe. Um, but then it's also quite soulless as well. But there's some things I really like about Milton Keynes, namely the pedestrian areas. Are, it's pretty clever. The venue's amazing because it's yeah. in that sort of Stalinist bus station. Mm-hmm. That is you on the website. I'm looking at it now. That venue is like something that I don't know if you've seen Channel 4's Utopia. It's like something out of that. Mm-mm. You know, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's interesting space. Very urban. Let's, let's use that as a phrase, urban. So this is going to be a really good event, I think, down in Milton Keynes. And I just wanted to make it clear to everybody that, really, really clear, that this week isn't just about what people that I know are organising. It's not just what we're organising or uh, Richard and David. Anybody that wants to hold an event, no matter how small, can be part of this week. And that's what I'd really like people to do. There's an event that you're speaking at or putting on or something, no matter how big or small it is, then you know, let us know and we'll add it to the website. And the same thing goes for things like articles or blog entries or conference talks. Or if you've, if you've got resources that you think are going to be worth sharing, then uh, you know, let us know anything. What I'm doing, I'm off down to Cardiff that day uh, to do uh, the webis. And what I've decided to do is not to give a conference talk, but to actually kind of open up my session, which is the last one on the first day, to more of a, a chat show format, if you like. Mm-hmm. I can't quite think who I'm going to model my uh, my chat show style on. I thought perhaps Russell Harty. Yeah, with Russell there. He's probably not as well known as uh, Mr. Parkinson. Uh, Michael Parkinson, you know, I'm two years away. I'm almost two years away from getting a free pen from Michael Parkinson. So that's exciting. Um, I've already had a free pen from <laughs> Michael Parkinson. <laughs> he doesn't do Parker pens anymore. I think, I think they're cutbacks. No, they're, they're just cheap biros. Yeah. But Russell Harty would be good. Yeah. I'm trying to think here. Not Mrs. Merton, obviously. Maybe just your own style, Andy. I think that, that would probably be better. Although, you know, I like to dress up. Anyway, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be joined by four amazing people. Cole Henley, Dr. Cole Henley, who's been on the show recently. So he's going to do a bit of a double header. Mm-hmm. Relly, Annette Baker, who I've wanted to get on the show for ages, but we never seem to be able to make it work. Christopher Murphy and, again, Dr. Claire Simons. And she, she's actually a lecturer in psychodynamic counselling and psychotherapy at the University of Leicester. Right. So I think it's important that we have people that are professionals in this uh, in this area, and not just uh, you know a bunch of geeks talking about you know, how they feel. Yeah, yeah. No, that that give it a good balance, I think. And really, I think that it's it's going to be a big conversation, and I want this whole thing to be a conversation starter. Magazines wise, Smashing Magazine are going to be running a series of mental health related articles that week. I think they've got four lined up. But if you've got something to write, if people have got anything that they want to write, then submit it to Smashing Magazine or a list apart or, you know, some other magazine if that's one of your favourites. And then if you publish it on your own site as well, you can do that thing, you know, submit a pull request and then we'll add it to the website. I think that what I'll do is I'll be tweeting all of those links and anything that I find, I'll just be putting them out on Twitter throughout that week so people can follow at uh, Geek Mental Help, which we, I need to get the logo and, uh, and all the Twitter page set up as well. Well, I, I didn't actually listen to last week's podcast. I mean... Why Why do you think um, there's so much of this stuff, you know, it's so prevalent, people discussing it um, within our industry? Do you think it's because we're older? There's a certain level, there's certain people that have grown up and are actually being affected by this kind of stuff. Not that it just affects older people, but, you know. Well, I don't know. Um, I wonder, and this is something that I want to talk to people at the web is and, and, and before about, really, is I wonder whether this industry attracts people who have a tendency towards mental health issues or whether it's the other way around really does it create almost mental health issues i mean it's not the most sort of you know sociable um or outgoing of of jobs that you can do (laughs) Mm. and i wonder sometimes sort of you know sitting on your own um looking at a computer thinking all day um is often conducive to uh to strong mental health yeah so I, I wonder about that, and I wonder about whether or not that there are things that we can do as web workers that might actually mitigate some of the, um, you know, the symptoms. 
And I'm sure that if, if you're prone to these kind of things, that, you know, it, we're not going to be able to solve the issue. We're not going to be able to, you know, cure people. Mm. Um, but there are things that we can do, whether it's, you know, an advice that we can share and, um, and tactics for dealing with it that I think could just be incredibly helpful. And I think people are starting to talk about it more because, I don't know, I just think we've kind of reached boiling point in a way. There's been a few things that have happened over the last few months. Chloe Wilde's suicide, I think, really affected a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it affected a lot of people that, that I know, you know, much more than, than I would have possibly expected. And I think that just acted as a bit of a catalyst, really, for people starting to share experiences and want to do something about it. Cause I'm sure that, you know, as I, as I keep saying on, on the show, I don't know whether you listened to the one with Paul Boag a few weeks ago. Yeah. I listened to most of it actually. Yeah. You know, I actually think that people are incredibly supportive in this industry. And if there is something that we can do, then people will do it. So, you know, and it, I don't know. I don't have any big answers and I don't have any big plan. I just think that this is something that, you know, might kickstart a couple of conversations. Yeah. And then, I mean, the other, the other thing that happened this week was, and it's, it's about the name of the project. Um, cause I, when I wrote about the whole geek mental health week thing on Monday, there were a few people that were concerned that using the word geek, was actually going to get in the way. It was going to hinder what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe it would have some kind of negative impact on, um, on what we were, what we were trying to do. And I think the thinking was, was that using geek would limit the project to, you know, a smaller group of people when, you know, obviously mental health issues affect, you know, many, many more people. Yeah. But you're not, um, Surely that's what you're trying to do, though. It is more of a this 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 week you're planning is for this industry. So, isn't that the whole point? You know that there there are other discussions going on with you know uh, mental health generally, um, and you can't create an event that encompasses everything. It's too no. wide. It's too wide a scope. No, no, exactly. So you have to have a word. And what you know, if it was, if it was web you know web workers or whatever you know that would does that include people who make apps you know and all this kind of stuff so i think it's i think you have to have some kind of term and you know what people are gonna there's gonna be people who don't like it um you know no matter what you chose you're right and i we can't tackle the whole big issue but i and i think that there are certain um certain aspects of mental health issues that affect people that sit at computers all day making websites or apps or whatever we mm. do or writing software or yeah. you know or, or graphic artists or whatever that kind of occupy quite a sort of solitary lifestyle i suppose and sedentary lifestyle there are things that we can do to help that small group of people if we can affect you know if we can affect change or, or help a small group of people then that's better than not doing anything at all i thought yeah there was another thing actually a couple of people they thought that the geek label was kind of derogatory. So I never really thought of it like that because I did try to think about, I wanted to narrow it down to this industry. Mm. And I thought really hard about what the word I could use that would sort of bind it together. Um, and I thought about, you know, tech, for example. Yeah. But I mean, I hate that. You know, I don't work in the tech industry. No. You know, I've got knob all to do with Silicon Valley. Yeah. Or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I, didn't really feel that that was appropriate. Um, I could have used web, I suppose. Um, but like you say, that didn't really kind of encompass, mm. you know, apps or software yeah. designers or, you know, graphic artists or something yeah. like that. So I chose geek and, and that was that. So I did ask actually I, on Twitter this week, I did ask because it's not too late to change the name. You know, if, if other people thought that it was going to have some kind of negative impact on the success of the project, then, you know, tell me and I'll change it. But, Overwhelmingly, people said, "No, we call we geek." I think it's okay. I think it's fine. You know, I, I, I don't see it as a. I can see why some people would think it's a derogatory term, um, but I, I embrace it. So <laughs> it's fine. It's fine by me, and I think it. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's fine. Well, I've never been particularly offended by being called a geek, no. um, but then it's not about me. So I did ask and. I'm very glad that I did actually, because mm. you know I was kind of you know reaffirmed in my yeah um, my opinion. So so that right. was that. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, there's obviously some bits to do. 
um, between now and the 27th, which is only like two weeks. Mm. And I wish, I really, really wish that I'd managed to get off my arse and, and do something like a month earlier. Cause, mm. you know, I've been thinking about it for ages and I just, um, needed to get around to it quicker. But anyway, we've got what we've got. Hopefully we, we can do a little bit. And I think, you know, some, somebody did ask the question actually, you know, about, you know, what, what, what I'm doing and about what other people are doing and stuff like that. And I thought about it and said, you know what? I might not be doing very much, but you know, what I can do is I, I can make connections between people. And if, you know, making those connections can get the message out there a little bit wider, then, you know, it'd be a good thing. Yeah. And so, you know, it's way, way, way bigger than me. So let's see what, uh, what other people make of it during that week. Let me talk to you about our second sponsor. It's Mac Rabbit's Espresso. You know, I only like to talk about products that I use every day. And this morning, I was writing some CSS. What was I using? I was using Espresso because it's the text editor that I've used to write code every day for about as long as I can remember. And I've used it so much that I honestly can't imagine using anything else to write my HTML and my CSS. It's got all the tools that I need to make writing and editing code simple and efficient. You know, I write a lot of CSS, as you might imagine. And Espresso's got MacRabbit's award-winning CSS edit tools built right in. CodeSense, code folding, smart snippets, drag-and-drop navigator, all that kind of stuff. And I find myself using uh, project-wide search and replace quite a lot, especially when I'm moving from design to production code. And it's got quick filtering and color highlighting, and it's just amazing. It just makes searching for contents of files really quick and easy. And Although everybody's workflow is slightly different, Espresso's got a flexible workspace that you can make fit into yours. And when you're ready to see how your work is going to look in a browser, Espresso includes a fantastic web preview that's got this thing called X-Ray, so you can see how the HTML and the CSS that you're writing affects the pages that you're building. Nice. And it, yeah, and it also visualizes margin and padding, and it helps to quickly find and edit any relevant styles for any elements. And then when you're ready, you can just sync and publish your work up to a web server with Espresso's built-in tools. So, you know, I've tried using other text editors. I did sit down and think to myself, all the cool kids are using Sublime Text 2. Mm. I think I'll have a look at that. So I downloaded it, I installed it, I took one look and then uninstalled it. (laughs) (laughs) Way too complicated. (laughs) Couldn't even figure out how to open a file. Okay, come on. <laughs> it was, I was baffled. I lo- oh, okay. Yes, no, I yeah. was, I was completely baffled. So I always come back to espresso because <laughs> it's what I know and I can't imagine using anything else. It's available from unfinished.bz slash espresso and it's only 75 of those American dollars. So listeners to the show, they can get a fantastic 10% discount by using the offer code unfinished at the checkouts and that's espresso. Wonderful. So what have you been up to lately? This week I did a, a lovely, uh, went down to Ravensbourne uh, College. Ooh, School uh, of Art. School of Art in London. And that was, I uh, did a lecture there. And it was the whole, all the three years. So it was packed out. It was great. And and also the great questions. You hate that bit where you go, any questions? And there's just like tumbleweed. Mm. Um, but yeah, there was lots of great questions. Um that's had to cut them short in the end. So that was good. Um, but yeah, what were you lecturing I, on? Well, I was lecturing about the stuff that I do and, and yeah, you know, generally about how to, you know, each one of those people in that room, each student can, can do, you know, can release apps or, or you know, create a brand for themselves or uh, brand is a dirty word for some people. But, you know, the, the idea that it doesn't matter where you are, you can, you know, be successful and, and get people to talk about your work and, and put interesting stuff out there. And, uh, I showed the project that I've just finished that has been like a year, uh, I've been working on it of uh, MailChimp. So I kind of showed that at the end and, um, talked a little bit about the reaction it got, got and continues to get. Um, which, cause I only launched it like three weeks ago. Mm. Yeah. And it's, you know, and also the importance of, believing in the stuff that you do and um not following trends not following fashions and uh just putting things out there in the world that you actually believe in that you know have, a, have the right to exist um and also talked about the failures you know the things that i thought i've made and were rubbish and you know so and but that's all part of that that process you know so yeah it was good it was it was good I love going into art schools. It makes me feel very old. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, I was, you know, and I have to check my references. You know, you reference something and they're like looking at you. Who's that? Because <laughs> you're like, <laughs> I mentioned Elvis at one point, And I think, yeah, look, I think most of them know who Elvis is. But, yeah, they were all, you know, very young, um, uh, you know, all of them very beautiful and, uh, you know, optimistic. Uh, I managed to knock the optimism out of them. Out of them. <laughs> it will soon um, beat yeah. that out of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this youthful optimism. Yes, screw that. Um, no, it was, you know, it's great. I, I, you know, I hate when you see like a designer that's been doing it a long time and you go to a lecture and they're like really miserable. It's basically, you know, forget it. It's, uh, you might as well, you know, clean the streets or something. And I've, I've seen uh, the odd, uh, famous uh, designer do that. And, um, you know, and I think it's kind of disheartening. You know, I think you can be honest. My, my favorite feedback actually was one of the other lecturers said, it's rare that someone's so honest from a professional capacity. And I was just very honest about the things that have failed and why I do certain things. And, you know, there's no magic behind any of this. And, you know, so, um, and chance in your arm. Um, and the thing with the MailChimp thing that I, I guess was one of the most important points, really, what I want, that I wanted to get across was I approach MailChimp, you know, go out there and you can, you don't have to wait and sit there for uh, clients to actually employ you or, you know, commission you. Um, and I actually went to MailChimp and just chanced my arm um, to say, look, I, I kind of make these objects um and you're all about you know great design and user experience um they write a lot about it and everything else and sponsor all these kind of events and books so i just said you know maybe we should get together and do a project together and you know they were said in in their own inimitable style they said awesome and uh and that was it uh and that but you know this also the other thing that i also wanted to get across was I also wrapped it up in a story, you know, a, an idea, you know, I didn't just go, let's just make some random stuff. So I, I came up with a concept, I, you know, a specific name. I did a PDF explaining it all and all this kind of stuff. So they can, it's easier for them to talk about, um, you know, when you're having these conversations, um, you know, they'd, rather than going that project, you know, you go other oh, six monkeys, you know, so, yeah, and, and so that's how that project came about, and uh, and it's been you know, and they they've been wonderful, and it's it's been a lovely, lovely thing to work on. They just went basically went right, okay, just go away and do what you want. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you about how it came about actually, because I re- I love the idea of companies like Mailchimp sort of commissioning or well, art pieces really mm. like this. I mean, it's all very Renaissance, isn't it? I think it is. I think that's what's, uh, you know, it, it gives me hope, you know, people with companies like MailChimp, but I'm sure there are other ones out there. A friend of mine said, you know, he described them as a patron of the arts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, which, so, which is a fascinating thing. And, um, uh, yeah, it, it's just, it was just a great relationship. Um, you know, and it was, and I probably should have done it quicker as well. I think it's one of those things where they just say, you know, if, if you want to take a year on it, that's fine. And it's the worst thing to say to, you know, a designer <laughs> or whatever, as you know, it's like, you're just like, oh, there's something new and shiny over here. I'll, I'll leave that project for a month or whatever, uh, which is kind of what happened. And then it was getting to a point where it was like, okay, I need to dig down now and get this thing done. Because um, so all the time I was actually keeping a blog uh, that they could see, uh, I was posting lots of ideas and thoughts and sketches and experiments and stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a lovely, lovely project and I'm, I'm kind of going to miss it, but uh, hopefully it'll lead to, to other things, you know? Mm, no, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, you had me at monkeys, really, mm. <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, and then we'll get into what the project actually mm. is and what you did and everything else in a minute, but the names that you chose for the monkeys, I thought were, were fabulous. I mean, Nim, obviously. Mm. My particular favorite, Ham the Astro Chimp. Yeah, well, I I just did, you know, you do the research. Basically, that means going on Wikipedia these days. Um, and I, I I wanted to name each one. Again, you know, if you give something a name, you can then talk about it. Um, you know, mm. especially with some things that are a little bit weird. Uh, it's easier to talk about it. So I discovered, you know, these 
chimpanzees that had also been used in um, linguistic research. And I thought, well, this is all about communication. It kind of fits. And uh, yeah, and Nim and Ham. And then there's there's normal ones like Sarah and Oliver and stuff. So yeah, but Oliver um, was a very interesting chimpanzee. Oh, really? See, you know, you know more about it than me. You see, they thought that he was a a human chimpanzee hybrid. Wow. A humanzy. Which is a real word. Wow, wow. I'm not just making this up. And it's only recently, actually, where I don't know where they got his DNA from, but they've done some testing and they found out that, yeah, no, he is actually pure chimpanzee. Right. But he walked on two legs and walked upright. Mm -hmm. He had very little hair and very human mannerisms. Um, And he was just a very odd chimpanzee. In fact, he's the chimp that Andy Serkis based uh, the way that Caesar moves. Oh, really? Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about Planet of the Apes because, you know, another two another two years until I can next talk about it. But that's that's where Oliver was. You missed out. You missed out my favourite, which is Mickey, the world's cleverest chimpanzee. Oh, Mickey. I right, see. I yeah. didn't didn't come across that one. No, you see, you didn't you didn't Google widely enough. No. But if you if you had have done, because um, it was fairly near you actually. Yeah. Geographically, there used to be this uh, zoological park in Liverpool. Right. Back in the nineteen thirties. And they had a chimpanzee there called Mickey, who they build as the world's cleverest chimpanzee. Mm. I've done a lot of research about this chimp. Anyway, it turns out that he was a very sad character. Um, they kept him chained up. They gave him cigarettes. Wow. <laughs> this chimpanzee used to smoke. And he had a favourite football, although I'm not sure whether he supported Liverpool or Everton. <laughs> but anyway, he loved his he loved his his, um, his football. Well, have you seen the, the Ben Fry piece of work, Humans versus Chimps? No, right. I don't think I have. If you go to benfry.com slash human, humans versus chimps, he did a piece of work uh, where he showed all the DNA sequence, uh, the FOXP2, I don't know what that is, uh, which is a gene, um, and he shows all 75,000 letters of the gene, and there's only nine letters difference between a chimp and a human. Mm, I know, um, we're very, yeah, very close. So he's done it as a, you know, this, this image is pretty amazing. <laughs> Um, but it, it's quite powerful stuff. You go, wow. That's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of scary as well, I guess. Well, just to finish the story, because I know listeners are going to be like, well, what happened to Mickey? Tell us what happened to Mickey, Andy. Come on. You can't just leave us hanging. You can't just leave us in the dark, they'd be saying. I can hear them screaming right now. <laughs> anyway, so what happened was Mickey escaped. He escaped several times. And uh, the last time that he escaped, an off-duty soldier who was carrying a firearm shot him. Oh, dead. Yes. Oh, God. Which was very sad in uh, in some uh, Liverpool housing estate. And then this was not the end of Mickey, the world's cleverest chimpanzee, because what they did was <laughs> the owners of the zoo had him stuffed and put him on display as an advert mm. in the Lewis's department store in the middle of Liverpool, <laughs> where he stayed for a couple of years until World War Two, when um, the building got hit with a firebomb and he got burnt. Oh, and that was the end of Mickey. But anyway, we, we, <laughs> we digress. Mm. Tell us about Six Monkeys then. Tell us about what this project was actually involved. Uh, so, yeah, I, I approached Mailchimp and said, look, maybe we should do something about um, the Internet of Things and uh, physical uh, design uh, with the Internet as, as, heart, as a part of that. Um, and, maybe we should, and, and then we got together and said, oh, maybe we should do it as email. Each, each, each object has something to do with email because obviously they're a newsletter company. Um, and so that, that was really the approach was that it was, it was about our physical interactions with email. Um, I find that, you know, for me, email, I, yeah, I get spam just as much as everyone else. And, you know, emails and a big, you know, large, you know, flowing inbox and all that. Um, but it, it seems to me that all we ever hear about email is how evil it is. Um, and how mm. pe- much people hate it. And for me, I couldn't have done my career without email. I couldn't have done my job without email. I've, I've, I've met amazing people through email. And you never hear that side of it. So I kind of like email. but the, And the other thing is, as, as some of the objects show, is that um, email is this, this ubiquitous interface that um, works across any device. And, and that interests me. So the idea of email as an API... Um, and, and MailChimp have tools to help in that as well. Um, so that's where it, it kind of started. And the idea was I would make six of these things, um, 
each one uh, self-contained, um, either battery-powered or um, powered by a wall socket, connects, and each one connects over Wi-Fi um, and does, you know, various various things. Some some stranger than than others. Some are some are kind of obvious. Like Oliver is a kind of visual display of um, the percentage of unread emails. Um, you know, and you kind of have that as um, you know normally anyway on your screen. But if, if you didn't have your email, maybe you could turn your email off all day. And when it got to red, or it was mostly red, maybe then you would tackle your emails or whatever. Or maybe you'd use it to maybe never let it get red. But, you know, the kind of Put these things out there. It's up to other people to see how they use them. The one that everyone seems to love is, you know, just as as often with these things, very very simple ideas, um, and it's the idea of um, email as an appliance that you can switch off. Um, mm. You know, so we can turn our lights off uh, very simply. There's a switch on the wall. Um, if you step back a moment, you know if. If we didn't have a switch on a wall, you'd have to go around taking the bulbs out, you know, which would be a nightmare. So someone said, oh, we'll put a switch on the wall. You know, it used to be a string by the light. But anyway, so it's a switch. So I thought, well, why can't you have a switch to turn your email off, you know, if you wanted to? So, you know, you kind of done with your email for the weekend. You you flick a switch and it it stops the email coming through across all your devices and you, you know, you could spin that idea out to be, you know, I just turn Twitter off or turn Facebook off. You could, you could have all these social switches, you know. Um, but it's, um, people really love that one. And it's, and it's, it's like anything. You change the context, you know, suddenly email is something that is on a wall next to a light switch. That's, it changes what I, the idea of email and how you interact with it. Um, yeah. And then there's other ones like, Using muscle wire, um, so muscle wire is this this wire that, when you pass a current through it, um, it contracts by about four to six percent. So you can use that as a lever. Uh, the beautiful thing about that is it's completely silent, so you can make things move and there's no sound. Um, again, something not very computer-like. Um, so that I use that as a notification system, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and there's and there's three others, but. Um, some were more complicated than others. Um, I spent, you know, spent a lot of time doing things on the server. And that, it kind of fascinates me, I guess, that the role of design, um, encompasses, you know, I can, I can be writing things on the command line. It's still designed to me. Mm. Um, you know, so, and I think that, that, that project encompassed command line stuff, stuff on the server. Physical things, soldering, electronics, um, you know, web API things, you know, so, but you know, you, you kind of, I think coming back to that Ravensborn thing, someone said, um, in the, after one of the questions was, do you have a team of people? I was like, no, it, you know, it's just me. Uh, and I collaborate with people occasionally, but I think you can look at a project like that and think, God, it's kind of overwhelming, you know, how, how do you, where do you begin? You know, if you don't know about, and I, I love a good bit of naivety, me. I think, yeah, no, you know, it's like often these things we do, all of us, everyone listening to this thing, is you know, you you always start from the point of I have no idea sometimes how that works. Of course, you know, you, you weren't born and suddenly knew how to write a web page, you know, or whatever. No one was, so there's always this learning. So. And it doesn't matter what it is, you can learn, learn this stuff. And I, for me, I'd learn enough. I'd learn, you know, um, right, how do I, I figure this command line thing out or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so, you know, it, and, and then with that, and, and also with that, I also loved making the little films. Um, I didn't want the films to be like a Bay Area, you know, kind of acoustic guitar or a, um, you know, plinky plonky piano, and and no, some no, no. they're not Apple. Apps. No, and some bastard in a check shirt with a mustache. You know, it's like I, I mean, I don't wear a check shirt. I don't have a mustache. I'm not in San Francisco. Um, so I wanted them to be sort of represent me. <laughs> you know, as as, yeah. a, as someone who's making this stuff. Um, so that you know, the kind of the films are very minimalist, and the sound is kind of strange in places and. And that's how I wanted it to be. I just didn't, I, you know, if I see one more 
bloody video with um, you know, dinky dinky, you know, it's happy music. I think Kickstarter's got an awful lot to answer for with the plinky plonky video. Well, absolutely, you know, Kickstarter, and you know, and I've been there with Kickstarter, though we didn't use a plinky plonky uh, track either. And I think I've made the odd plinky plonky piano thing because um, you kind of get wrapped up in it all. But you know, be be yourself. Be why? That's what I don't understand. Why are people trying to emulate everyone else? Screw that. What I like about art schools, and, you know, I did a couple of lectures, uh, not this year, but last year. Uh, I went down to Southampton, or was it Winchester? Well, it's Southampton, but it's Winchester. I think right. it's the same thing. And uh, did some lectures down there. And what I really, really appreciate about art students is that um, they don't seem to be sort of fettered by convention in a way. Mm. Um, they're not afraid to kind of go, well, what happens? What, why, why, why can't I do that? Yeah. Now, what happens if I take this thing and I make it into something else? Mm. And it's purely about the idea. They don't need any validation necessarily. No. And just the idea that you could say, well, let's make email into a light switch mm, where yeah. you can turn it on or off. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can do that in software. I mean, yeah. I, I don't suppose, I suppose if you went to iCloud, maybe there's a, like a kill switch for the weekend or something. I don't know. Yeah, no, um, though, you can do it in software. I think, you know, but to me, the two are totally different. Well, exactly. And to have the thing as like a physical object. Um, mm. or a box that email goes yeah. in or, you know, I really like the idea of actually, um, and again, this could be done in software, mm. but the physical object really appeals to me where you have this box on your desk potentially mm. and emails coming in all the time, mm. but you're not seeing it except when it kind of, I don't know, maybe it notifies you, maybe it prints something out yeah. or something, you know, just like this sort of, you, we, we feel things much more, I think, when it's when it's hardware. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It it becomes more precious. Yeah, there's there's one of the objects is you can send you know precious emails to it, and they they stay in that they stay in that box you know forever. Um, so you know, and, and they become and it you know the whole idea of that one is got a key. Um, you know, so so yeah, it's you know when you again it's you know you change the context. My favorite thing about my favorite quote about context is um, I read it in a, a great book that everyone should read. Um, it's only like a like a coffee table book. Uh, it's called "101 Things I Learned in Architecture School," and uh, the the quote is um, "When you design, when you design a door handle, consider the door." I love that. Wow, that's very messy. Yeah. <laughs> And you, you can apply that to absolutely everything. But yeah, I, I do, I wonder about the web and, and how, you know, on what, you know, I'd, I'd love to see a bit more experimentation, I think. You know, I think, I think we're sort of, you know, maybe we've talked about this before, but we've, um, you know, using frameworks and things like, things like that, which are useful. You end up with a web that is, is, you know, probably not as adventurous as it should be. Now, and I think the other thing which I've been banging on about for such a long time is that there's just such a real beauty in the idea. Um, and I think far too often on the web now, we are thinking about practicalities too much, you know, yeah. whether you want to wrap it up in user experience mm. or whatever. Things have to have a purpose necessarily, and it's not necessarily just about the idea. Um, and you look at the idea of turning email into a light switch, mm. and it's just, it reminds me, I'm not buttering your bun, but, you know, <laughs> it reminds me of something like uh, a Klaus Oldenburg sculpture. Right. And I just, I, it was one of the first things when I was studying art at like O level or A level, I used to be fascinated by American pop art and sculpture in particular, mm. although I was never very good at it. And, you know, he would take something, you know, the famous one being a tube of toothpaste. Yeah. Um, and say, what happens if we make this tube of toothpaste, you know, 40 feet high? Mm. Or yeah. what happens if we make this hard thing, but out of soft materials or vice versa? Yeah. yeah. And I just love that kind of thing. You know, I, I, you know, I don't know whether she's sort of universally popular, but, you know, I love Tracy Emin's work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Because, you know, she's just asking these kind of difficult, challenging questions. And I'm not one for kind of art for art's sake. I mean, sometimes I do wander around galleries scratching my head going, what the fuck yeah. is that all about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too, you know. But then I suppose that's okay. And I, and I mourn sometimes the fact that, that our industry seems to have swung very much in the direction of things being, you know, hyper practical and much less about the whimsy 
you know, maybe years ago we made websites that were just, you know, unusable and, you know, and, and terrible and, mm, you know, yeah. didn't make any money or, you know, we're just, we're just ridiculously, I mean, I know I did. But at the same time, there was something kind of, I don't know, romantic about them. You know, they, they had this sort of aspect of whimsy to them, which is something that I, you know, I love about art. And I, and I just think that we should strike a better balance. Yeah, I think, you know what, I think there's, I think there's room for both. You know, you, when you're on, you know, Amazon or whatever, you what you want that to be a great experience and, you know, you don't want it to be, you don't want to be figuring stuff out. Um, but there are also, you know, I think that there's, there's room for the other side and, and out of the other side can often come out, um, great ideas that then can be used in it in maybe more practical ways or whatever. So I think, you know, I, I, for me, I, I love questions. I love, uh, yeah. you know, and I think we should ask more questions. Um, and not be accepting of, of, of answers that are already given out there. Um, you know, so that's, that's what strives me on. I think, and and all of us, you know, I think we're just curious, you know, and and I think that's how we should be. Um, but you know, and, and also the reaction to that project so far has been, has been fantastic. Um, which which is lucky. Um, I've, I've got to write a, it's going to be in Forbes. Um, we've got to write a load of interview questions, uh, today, uh, answer those. Um, but the, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm just just some dick in the northwest of England, you know, I'm, and the, you know, the point is, you know, you can do this stuff. You know, don't let anyone tell you that you have to be a certain place. And I think there are advantages to being, you know, London or the Bay Area, whatever, of course. But, um, it's still possible. You can still put, and I think it comes down to, originality you know people are crying out for original stuff and and people will write about it and if you do original work they will write about it doesn't matter who you are or where you are that's very 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 true are you going to take these things on the road is there going to be an exhibition or of, of these i don't objects? know we want to, i think me and mailchimp want to do something else with them uh they're kind of just sat in a in a home in a minute um and yeah because i'd like to see them at the goodall gallery maybe in manchester yeah well we are exploring, not connected with that, but uh, with the next thing me and Richard are going to do, Richard Goodall Gallery, we're gonna, is going to be a physical thing, I think. Uh, and that's, that's what we're planning uh, next. Um, but yeah, you know, and also apparently Kickstarter got in touch with MailChimp about all of them and basically said, you know, because I think Fast Company wrote that every one of these would be a killer Kickstarter project. And I, and I was, t- MailChimp told me that Kickstarter had actually got in touch with them. Um, I don't want to do that. Let me tell you now. Uh, been there, nearly like died doing that thing. <laughs> Bit of an exaggeration, but you know, it comes back around to maybe mental health. My mental health at the time when I was doing that Kickstarter project was not good. Was that the one for the popper? I don't really want to do that again. Um, unless someone gave me a shitload of money. Because uh, I'm not putting my own personal money into something like that again. Well, like, you know, a, a shitload of money would be, you know, would would be fine because you know we all want to retire in comfort. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of us sooner than others. Making hardware involves a lot of money, you know. Mm. And I tell people who are making hardware on Kickstarter, think of your budget times it by three. Yeah. I just like the idea that these things are not products that you can buy, though. You know, yeah. I like the idea. I like the notion that they're one-offs mm. um, and that they just exist, you know, in your house or on video or something. Yeah. And to turn them into something that you can buy for eighty dollars, yeah, kind of you know, it just knocks the edge off it a little bit, really, because you know these things were created to ask and answer a question. Yeah. I think that you know, like, like you were saying about the, you know the importance of starting a conversation. I think that's what these do. And hopefully they'll be referenced in years to come. Uh, that's my, that's my hope, you know, and, and people are saying that it kind of recontextualizes the email. Um, you know, and it's, that's, that's the important thing for me. It's not necessarily about the objects themselves or how they're designed or whatever. It's more about these, the ideas that they're putting out into the world and, you know, and, and that's it. And let's see, let's see where that goes. I've mentioned it before, but a few weeks ago I was on kind of, you know, major meltdown mode Mm -hmm. and I was walking around Ikea on a Sunday afternoon, as you do when you're moving into a new office, fighting all the normals for the, 
for the last leg. Can you believe that there was one leg short on a desk? <laughs> Goodbye the desktop. Goodbye three legs. Who's bought one leg? Somebody's <laughs> taken one more leg home than they needed. Spent ten quid on the extra leg. Anyway, so I'm there and uh, I'm actually quite enjoying it. My phone buzzes in my pocket mm. and, you know, I don't know what it was, but I, I, I took a look at it and it was a client sending a whole through a whole load of list of requirements. And, you know, it was just stuff. It was just stuff that my brain had to deal with on a Sunday afternoon and, uh, and it completely changed my mood. Yeah. So since then, I now, I don't have any email notifications at all on any device. <laughs> yeah. uh, Literally, I've turned it off my phone. Yeah. I don't have, there's no iCloud email connected on my iPads anymore. Um, and obviously there's the mail on the Mac, mm-hmm. but I don't keep it running. Yeah. And if it is running, then it doesn't give me the little red indicator. Yeah. Um, and I consider my default state to be off for email. And then when I want to, I'll turn it on again. In, yeah. It's a good way to be. And, and I think that that, you know, that certainly has helped with my, I don't think it's affected my mental health, but it certainly affected my stress levels over the last sort of three or four weeks and, you know, improved them because of it. And these kind of conversations that these objects are, are bringing up. Mm. And you know, what do you do with email? What do you do with that special letter that somebody writes you? Yeah. You know, you used to get a letter in the post and you could keep it. I remember for years I had a shoebox with old girlfriends' letters in them. <laughs> what, would you, what, what would I do now if I was 17 years old? Right? <laughs> I'd, have a fold, I'd have a file in Gmail. Yeah, yeah. This is it. I'd have a Gmail flag. <laughs> it's not quite the it's same. It's not really, no. No, and you wouldn't. You wouldn't have a chance on that, you know, when you were clearing stuff out. You know, you don't. You, you don't really clear Gmail mail rules out, do you? So you no. wouldn't. You wouldn't chance on it. Uh, we don't really chance on anything anymore. It's very hard to chance on digital things. Um, so you know, and, and maybe maybe people go, yeah, I don't miss it, but um, maybe younger people certainly, you know, Snapchat generation. You know, there is no. It, it, you know, it, that's what made me. I found the whole Apple Watch thing scary because to me, the idea, they're kind of killing heirlooms. You know, they're killing, um, yeah, try, try handing that Apple Watch down in 40 years. Good luck with that. It won't work. Um, the OS would be like so outdated. Uh, it won't plug into anything because we'll, you know, so, yeah, that, that kind of scares me a little bit. Maybe it doesn't scare anyone else, but. No, yeah. it does. It, it scares me actually. I've got a few things that my grandmother left. And one of the things that she did was to give me a massive box of photos. And, you know, most of them, I don't know who the faintest idea these people are. But, you know, I have a a box of photos that I can look back on. And, you know, sometimes I can get them out from under the sofa and, you know, dig through the box. Um, What are people going to look at of my generation? Mm. Um, you know, f- from digital photography onwards. Yeah. You know, w- w- what are we going to be able to, you know, discover, mm. um, in the future? I don't know. I do worry about that. I do worry about the sort of the, you know, the, the permanence of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, you know, I love, I love digital stuff. You know, my music, I just use Spotify, you know, cause I can dial up any song. Uh, and it, but, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a physical music collection anymore and, and I have playlists in Spotify and, you know, and, and it works for me, but, and, and also, I don't, I don't really want my house cluttered with things. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's arguments for and against. Um, and, but like, like, like everything, I think there's, there's room for both. The special place for something. Yeah. I think that's what we might be lacking. And it's, you know, it's some of the ideas that yeah. your objects for this project have sort of sparked really is, you know, what do I do with that special email? Mm. You know, what do I do with that? special photo that somebody sent me yeah a dm conversation mm. that might have started something i don't know could be a sort of a chance encounter it could have been um the start of a business relationship mm. or something yeah. that goes on to be something else where is the kind of the the record of that yeah. in a way yeah. and where do you keep it yeah this is a all these questions need to be thought about i think i think that that's the thinking about it, I mean, some people would say, well, that's, that's an engineer's job to do, to solve these problems. Mm. But actually, I think it's an artist's. Yeah, or, or designers or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's- because I think you'll get much more of a, of a freer and open set of possibilities. Yeah. I love engineers, but they, they can think from a very technical, what they know, uh, point of view. 
um, and use the solutions that they've already already know about. Uh, well, I think uh, if you're a bit more free free thinking, you think of stuff that you have no idea how it is, if it's even possible, but generally something is. So, and I think that's a better starting point. We might come at things from a slightly different point of view than a lot of other people maybe that work on the web, or is that just a gross generalisation? I do get the feeling that I'm kind of moving in one direction and the rest of the world is moving in another. Well, it's weird. I'm actually in one direction. I'm actually the uh, sixth member. but uh... <laughs> Not one direction. Oh, but I know. I know what you mean. It's, uh, I think... But I think it's, you know, based on uh, all your years of experience and everything else, and um, and you come to a point where maybe you just want other things, you know, and, that, and that's that's fine. But no, you know. I've certainly, I think I've reached that point. <laughs> anyway, we should wrap it up. So people can find you on your website, brendandoors.com. Yep. And that project, that project's on there, and it's, it's on the first page, so yeah, people can find it easy. Loads of links in the show notes and uh, at Brendan Dawes on Twitter, or you can follow me at Malarkey to ask questions or suggest topics. I've said this like 10,000 times mm. and I still get it wrong. This is episode 90, by wow. the way. No, 90. Yeah. That's, that's pretty. What, what are you going to do for the hundredth? Don't know yet. Mm. It's a secret. But that means that it's only 10 weeks till Christmas. Oh, God. Yeah. 10 shopping weeks till Christmas, kids. Yep. Or you can message the show on Twitter at unfinishedbz, or you can even email me, he has at unfinished.bz. Thanks again to our sponsors this week. They were Gather Content and Mac Rabbit's Espresso. You can support Uwashu by supporting them. <laughs>